You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Come on in, stay a while. You were forewarned last night with the Titans against the Bills. We'll dive into that coming up. Got a play of the day, stat of the day, poll question. All of that forthcoming NBA season opener tonight. We'll talk to NBA on TNT host Adam Lefko. He's in Milwaukee. Milwaukee versus the Nets coming up tonight. Titans beat the Bills. Both teams now 4-2. and two. Braves at the Dodgers. Game 3. That's this afternoon, by the way. Astros at the Red Sox will be later on tonight. That'll be Game 4. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning. Good morning to our streaming partner, Peacock. Download the app. Watch for free all three hours. And our radio affiliates around the country. In some ways... The Titans running back Derrick Henry feels like he belongs in a different era because today's NFL is all about the passing game. And running backs are probably judged by their ability to catch passes and maybe pick up blitzes. No longer do teams run to set up the pass. They pass to make the run a little easier. Henry and the Titans turned that formula on its head a couple of years ago, and they're not trying to fool you. They let you know Derrick Henry's coming right at you. Just try to stop him. And last night, the Bills couldn't. Well, at least on one run, a 76-yarder that helped Tennessee pick up the win. Derrick Henry is leading the league in rushing by over 200 yards through six weeks. Teams aren't geared to stop Derrick Henry. They used to be, but defenses have gotten smaller and faster. And this is to counter the spread offenses. And that makes somebody like Derrick Henry a unique challenge because there's no other running back like him. You know, he took Tennessee to the AFC title game in 2019. He's 27, still going strong, and we'll see if he can do the same for the Titans and maybe take them further while he's still at the top of his game. There have been a lot of analytics on Derrick Henry, and I've said this for years. At some point, some team is going to have a counterattack, that if you have smaller defensive players, you want faster defensive players, you got to cover your wide receivers, you got to be able to get to the quarterback. At some point, somebody is going to utilize a running game, and Derrick Henry has been that battering ram. It's like I've said about the NBA. Everybody's trying to shoot the three. Does somebody maybe have a counterintuitive approach and they just have big men? Like, how would you deal with Shaq in today's NBA game? How would you utilize him? Because you wouldn't be relying on the three. And we've seen this with teams that they can't compete that way, shouldn't try to compete that way. So they build a team differently. And you've seen that with Tennessee. Now, the analytics are looking at Derrick Henry. If he can keep up this pace per game, over his last 40 games, he's averaging almost 120 rushing yards per game. So it would take him almost 100 games to break Emmett Smith's record. And he would do that at the uh, age of 33. That's the same age that Emmett Smith was when he set the record. Okay. I don't like when somebody says somebody's on pace because I go back to if somebody throws four touchdown passes in the first week of the NFL season, what are they on pace for? Well, the odds of that happening are very, 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 well, they're not happening. And that's why when you say, you know, he's on a pace for, okay, that doesn't mean he's going to be able to maintain that pace, not that running style. And, you know, Emmett was different because that was a balanced offense he had. He had an unbelievable offensive line. He had Hall of Famers on that offensive line. He had a Hall of Fame quarterback. He had a Hall of Fame wide receiver. 
Emmett was durable as well. You know, I remember when he had the separated shoulder one season. But Derrick Henry started out where he wasn't the featured back the first couple of years. He wasn't even the featured back at Alabama's entire career there. So he does have less wear and tear, but he is inviting contact there. And it's a little bit different. Is he a bigger running back, faster running back than Emmett Smith? He is. But it felt like you could run to set up the pass or you could pass to set up the run with the Dallas Cowboys, with that team. They were that versatile. With Tennessee, I'd like to see more out of those wide receivers. They just can't stay healthy. And Ryan Tannehill has proven he's gotten that second, second chance, second career, and he's played well. But it comes down to Derrick Henry and playing pretty good defense because that's what happened last night. I mean, Buffalo did a pretty good job on Derrick Henry. I mean, Buffalo could have won that game. Derrick Henry had one big run, but then they were holding him to about three yards per carry. You just, you got to hold on for dear life and not let him hit a home run. And, and that's what happened last night. But it came down to a quarterback sneak, game of inches. Josh Allen, and he talked about it last night on the failed fourth down conversion. Didn't work out in our favor, obviously. Didn't have the greatest footing. It happens, game of inches. Game of inches. You know, the, gate, the, the play before was pretty close to. Didn't turn out in our favor today. We were 2-5 of five in the red zone. We can't do that uh, against a team like this. You know, Elijah should have, could have would us. I got no doubt that you know we're going to use this to fuel us and uh, be ready to go in two weeks. Here's the Bills head coach, Sean McDermott, on that play. You know, at the end of the day, I trust him, and uh, and I'll trust him again if we're in that situation again. So I'll take Josh Allen, um, as you said, Sal, 10 times out of 10. So give them the credit. They made the play they had to make uh, when the game was on the line. Week 5, last season, Titans beat the Bills 42-16. I think the Titans are a good team. When healthy, I think they can be a really good team. But we haven't seen that yet. But last night, that's one of those wins that you, you might look back on this and say, wow, that was an impressive win, or that really propelled this team. I don't know, and I still think the Bills are the team to beat right now in the AFC. Uh, but that win last night, you know, that's impressive. And uh, I think the Titans, that's one of those where you just tap people on the shoulder and say, we're still here because it's such a long season. And everybody is getting injured. Like, hey, let's tack on another game. Yeah, sure. And look at all the injuries. And here we are. Six weeks, seven weeks. You might have to have another bye week for these teams. But this is a battle of attrition. Can Derrick Henry continue to do this? Will those wide receivers be healthy? You know, I just don't know about Julio Jones. And there were certainly whispers when he was in Atlanta that he didn't want to play football anymore. And he wanted out. They had no problem letting him go. Because I think they saw, if, if he's got something, uh, it might not be for long. Yeah, McLovin. Can I share a 1990s football hot take real quick? Sure. I think Emma Smith was a bit overshadowed by Barry Sanders being so spectacular. So yeah. it's hard to see his legacy for what it is. Uh, well, I think Emmett acknowledges that if Barry had stayed and wanted to play, he would have broken his record. Emmett was just... You just plugged and played, and, and you just, he was so reliable. And, and there wasn't, he wasn't a highlight uh, player. In, in, a, in an era of highlights and how important highlights were back then, he just, he just gave you seven. He gave you nine. He gave you four. He gave you 13. 
That's just Emmett. He just kept pounding away at you. Barry was minus one, plus one, 62, <laughs> minus one, plus one, 58. That's, that was his style, but he didn't play behind that Detroit, you know, that Detroit offensive line, you know, did not compare to what Dallas had. And they were one-dimensional. So what Barry did is more remarkable, in my opinion, than what Emmett did. But Emmett had everything you want on that offense, and he took advantage of it. But, you know, part of being a great player is being available. And Emmett was available. And he, you know, you could, you could plug. You knew that he was going to be there, and you knew how dangerous he could be. And uh, Barry was dangerous in a different way. Yeah, McLovin. Is there any consensus on who the best running back of all time is? Kind of like Jerry Rice is for wide receiver. Um, I, I think if you look at Jim Brown, what he did when he played, it was remarkable because he was so fast and so big and he was unstoppable. Here's a guy who got bored after nine years playing in the NFL. And I think he walked away and I, I think they played 12 games or 14 games, maybe 12. And he had, you know, like 16, 1700 yards. He decided to retire to go into movies. He was done. He was done with football after nine years. If Jim Brown continued to play, then Jim Brown would probably be the all-time rushing leader. 1,600 yards his last season in 14 games. So he didn't play 16. He's playing 14. 1,600 yards, he walks away. Barry Sanders walks away. Got tired of losing. Emmett playing on a great team, America's team, and you had all those weapons, and of course you're going to want to stay around for that. Yeah, Paul. By the way, Jim Brown never missed a game due to injury. Yeah. He started every single game of his career that he was eligible to play. Um, isn't if For those who didn't see Jim Brown play, is Derrick Henry a pretty decent comparison? He's bigger than some of the linebackers trying to tackle him, and he's like forcefully dominant. Uh, a little bit, uh, Apples and oranges, but like from the physicality standpoint. Yeah, Jim Brown took on contact and, uh, you know, but just he was so much bigger than the players and the defensive backs back then were like 5'10", 5'11", you know, maybe 200 pounds. Jim Brown was just faster and bigger than everybody. And he played on a really good, you know, Cleveland Browns offense, a really good Cleveland Browns uh, team. But, you know, when you start to compare generations of who they're playing against, uh, the, you know, the quality of, of today's athlete with Derrick Henry, uh, as opposed to Jim Brown, you know, there's a big difference in there. But I, it's always dangerous when you compare because, you know, somebody would say, well, how would Jim Brown do in today's NFL? Well, he would be, he'd be different. He'd be built different. Uh, they would ask him to be catching passes out of the backfield. And Jim Brown, that type of athlete would probably still be very successful in the NFL. But Derrick Henry is just, that's unique. But I can go back to Kristen Okoye, who played for the Kansas City Chiefs, who was one of those physical runners. You know, he would, he would take on contact here. But Derrick Henry has that great top-end speed that you don't find in somebody that big. Yeah, McLovin. Are you impressed by uh, someone's restraint here in this running back, all-time running back debate? Um, you know, Walter Payton is one of the great running backs of all time. Easy. I, you know, I can't – he didn't play for great teams. Uh, but I, Which I makes never, it what he did more impressive. 
Yeah, but he wasn't better than Barry Sanders, in my opinion. With If you want true electricity, Barry Sanders was... Gail Sayers was more electric than Walter. But Walter was Emmett Smith without the great weapons up front or a great quarterback or great receivers. And, you know, what, what you saw from Walter Payton was pure Walter Payton. But... You know, in today's NFL, Walter Payton will have a thousand catches in his career. I mean, he was that versatile. But, you know, once again, if you said I'm going to put in a, a tape and watch a running back, I'd probably watch Jim Brown or Barry Sanders just because it was unique. And it's still unique. There's nobody like Barry Sanders. Nobody. And you never saw him get hit. Never. And he can make everybody look silly. Like, we look at Chris Johnson and we go, man, that guy's unbelievable. Well, he did it for one year. Barry did it for a decade and then walked away and said, I, I don't want to lose anymore. I'm tired of this. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Two of the greatest running backs of all time walked away from the game because they were pretty much fed up. Jim Brown was bored and Barry Sanders didn't want to lose anymore. This program brought to you by the great folks at Panini America. Hottest rookies, biggest superstars, the all-time greats. Only one place to collect them all, Panini Trading Cards. For instant classics, autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, hottest rookie cards. Start or continue your collection now at PaniniAmerica.net. Adrian Peterson is a forgotten man, in my opinion. Because Adrian Peterson, you know, obviously had issues, uh, suspended. But I thought Adrian Peterson could end up as the all-time rushing leader. I really thought that. And he was spectacular, and he was consistent, and he was durable. But, uh, you know, you, you look at Frank Gore. Look at some of these guys where you go, man, how do you stay in the game that long? Uh, Curtis Martin had unbelievable numbers. LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, there's so many great running backs. You just, uh, we're lucky. You know, having been able to have watched them, uh, you know, from Jim Brown on, you know, they're, it's a long list of great, great running backs. Yeah, I'm in club. How about a shout out to that peak of Earl Campbell for a couple of years? Yep. Yeah. Earl Campbell, those first three or four years, and they, they took a toll on Earl, too. You know, he's still paying the price for, for that type of running attack. Yeah, Paul. Earl Campbell's first three years, 78, 79, and 80, he ran for 1,450, 1,700, 1,900, leading the league in rushing all three years, leading the league in touchdowns all three years. We'll get to phone calls, settle on a poll question. By the way, a bunch of new T-shirts available in the store, danpatrick.com, the Justin Herbert-inspired Charger. Football is fun T-shirt. Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears, and we have a T-shirt to prove it, plus a bunch more available at danpatrick.com. All right, we'll take a break here, and uh, we'll be back. We'll settle on our poll question. Your phone calls are always welcome. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. NBA season opener coming up tonight. TNT is going to have the Bucks and the Nets. 
And the man you will see hosting the festivities, Adam Lefko, host of NBA on TNT. Also, the Lefko Show podcast, Bleacher Report Gaming's uh, underrated on uh, TBS. So, Adam Lefko joining us here on the program. Is he with us, uh, Todd? He sure is. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, Lefko, uh, biggest storyline going into the season is... Oh, man, you caught me in a whirlwind between Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. Uh, I feel like those are the two. Uh, NBA 75th year anniversary, that's the biggest one. But I think what's going to happen to these two guys that are not currently playing right now? Uh, do the team even like him in terms of Ben Simmons? And in terms of Kyrie Irving, does the team even need him? Uh, those are the two questions uh, that I'm kind of thinking storyline-wise. Who would you rather interview between those two? I, oh, uh, Kyrie's going to take you to a place that you have no idea where he's going. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm someone that does find it uh, somewhat entertaining. Uh, ben, it feels like a lot of angst, a lot of anger, a lot of built up um, just frustration. Uh, and I feel like it's going to be a lot of no comments. So at least I can have a conversation with Kyrie. Which one is more salvageable? Kyrie. I, I think that when we would always have these stats last year for NBA on TNT, how is this team with Kyrie and Durant, but no Harden? And how are they? They were great. And so when you look at the depth of this roster, I totally forgot. Uh, Patty Mills, I know, but they got Javon Carter, too, from Phoenix. They're very deep. And James Harden played a lot of point guard last year. And so I think that this Nets team could start off really hot. And then three, four months in, possibly he gets the vaccine and joins them. With Ben, he is literally working out in a hooded sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off, wearing full pants to practice. He's not playing. We are, we are watching a hold in instead of a hold out. And I, I think that this is just posturing for a possible trade. Who had a great offseason? Um, I think the fact that the Bucks re-signed a lot of guys, uh, it, they got continuity in a league of constant change. Um, I, I thought it was really well done for Boston to kind of move a bunch of their pieces uh, and retain their core and still build around Tatum. Uh, I think I would have said Phoenix, but this DeAndre Ayton not getting the max, I think suddenly brings trouble in paradise. Uh, but I think also the Lakers and, and specifically Russell Westbrook to go from the Washington Wizards to the Lakers. What an offseason for him. Like really impressive. What is the game plan, do you think, for the Lakers during the regular season? So that was the best part of the Russell Westbrook move by the Lakers, in my opinion, is that LeBron is now, and he has been for the last few years, a CEO that doesn't need to be in every meeting. And I think when you heard the upset nature of him with Jared Dudley leaving, he needed those generals to keep the team motivated during the regular season. And I don't think anyone does that better than Russell Westbrook. We heard it in Houston where he was on the plane and they're waiting for Harden. And then he goes to Washington and all of a sudden the team and Bradley Beal is focused. LeBron now has his general, his everyday general to keep that team motivated during the regular season. Uh, we saw it last year, like they're okay going for the seven or eight seed if it means, you know, resting LeBron a little bit. I think that they're going to go for it all this year. 
I think that when you look at the West, I think the Suns are great, but I think it's unlikely that they have a similar run back-to-back. It's just tough to do that two years in a row. So I think they're kind of going up against Utah to try and win the regular season. But I think as long as they're in the top four, uh, they're feeling good. But I really think Westbrook now is that day-to-day general of the team. Who's the most overrated team? Oh, um, overrated. I think, like I just said, I would, just from having watched sports a long time, it's probably unlikely that Phoenix and Atlanta do what they did again. You know, those, those just seemed like big runs motivated by a lot of, uh, and there was so much opening in the West with Kawhi's injury and the Lakers injuries. I just, I think Phoenix is probably the team that people are penciling into the finals that I, I just, I, w- I would bet against them. Who is underrated? I like the Utah Jazz. And mainly because of conversations that we have had before about, yeah, I get this with the Bucks in the regular season, but show me in the playoffs. And then it happened. And this happened with the Raptors a few years ago. I'm not saying Rudy Gay is the guy, the missing piece that brings us all together. Because that's just—that's a good thing. That's—I'm I'm glad you didn't. Okay. Yeah, I. I, I but I but aren't you year better. three into loving the Utah Jazz? I do love the Utah Jazz. <laughs> um, I I think it was watching Rudy Gobert in the Olympics, and it was watching him get brought into similar situations in the playoffs where he's having to defend guards, and he actually did it. Um, but look, I've mellow Olympic mellow uh, messed me up for a number of years. So I just I have to imagine that. All of these years of of getting just absolutely swept in the playoffs. I don't know, man. I'm a I'm a sucker for pain, you know. And so I think the Utah Jazz are are my tool this season. Who's your finals pick? Um. All right, I'll be I'll be even sicker because if it happens, I want credit. I'll put the Jazz in there, um, and I'm going to put the Nets. So it'll be Jazz versus Nets. The, the thing that I'm thinking about tonight's game, which is a matchup for the Eastern Conference Finals, Bucks nets is the one player the Bucks didn't bring back is P.J. Tucker. And I know it's weird to read that P.J. Tucker was a great defender against Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant had like an all-time game <laughs> in games five and seven. Um, but the reason he was so big is it meant that Giannis and Middleton didn't have to guard Durant. And so it changed up their philosophies. And I just, I'm looking at the team right now, and all I can think about is if I went to Vegas, I'm putting my number one bet is Durant as MVP. That's just the way the season ended. Now he's got a full healthy offseason. There's no Kyrie, so he's going to get credit for, like, playing well without Kyrie. I just don't know who stops him. So I would go Jazz Nets. Why is it I can't? release or cut that umbilical cord from the Golden State Warriors? Oh, like Steph Curry's my number two pick for MVP. Yeah, I had him MVP um, last year. And, I and you know, Clay Thompson's the missing ingredient. They got young young players. They got some youth on there. Uh, I don't know if they have the magic dust for one more run, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of holding on that they do. There are three teams that I really, really like. But injuries are what prevents me from picking them long term. Kawhi with the Clippers, uh, Jamal Murray with the Nuggets, 
and Clay Thompson with the Warriors, all expected back a few months into the season. And if they were there the entire time, I just don't know what I'm getting. And so I, I am so excited to watch Curry, Clay, and Draymond. And, and now with all of this wisdom, I was reading about Draymond yesterday and how, you know, he used to be the guy that could talk to the team and, and talk about like advanced mathematics when it comes to NBA. And now all the young guys are looking to him. And I, I love the fact that we're going to get super veteran Clay, Curry, and Draymond. Um, I just, without Clay, they are a piece short. And I don't know where we're going to get in January. It's great to talk to you. Have fun tonight. And remember... What did you have for breakfast? Where are you going later today? Where is that shirt made? Why are you wearing that sweater? It has seashells uh, because, you know, Milwaukee is a beach town. Yeah. Yeah. I take the kids there. We used to. We used to take the kids there for the summers, you know. It's, you know, it's just, you know, if I can get a margarita on the beach in Milwaukee. (laughs) Because I would say to the kids, Milwaukee or Disney World? And they go, Milwaukee! Easy. Yes. Easy. Remember, your role is John Stockton. Yeah. Pass. Get the get the assist out. Get the ball out quick. That's that's your rapid fire question. No, you don't even have to have a did John Stockton ever have a no look pass? <laughs> I just revealed that I'm not wearing You pants. don't have pants on, do you? I don't. No, <laughs> this is I, I would stand up and show No, off no, no, no. Okay. No, no. No, it's best you don't. Yeah. I don't want to see your left co and your right co. <laughs> I haven't uh, heard him referred to. <laughs> uh, thank you, bud. Thank you. Adam Lefko, NBA on TNT host, and a man who's not wearing pants, at least in that interview. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Peter Schrager, the popular co-host, NFL Network's Good Morning Football, FoxSports.com senior national writer. And uh, he is uh, on Good Morning Football. Here's Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Also this week, working with the uh, Browns and Broncos. Uh, that'll be a Thursday night football for uh, Fox, Amazon Prime, and the NFL Network. Peter joining us on the program. Pete, uh, the possibility of Derrick Henry winning the MVP is what? Strong national spotlight game. I think he needed that. He's been doing it. He's on pace to have one of the greatest running back seasons ever, and that's with a 16-game season or a 17-game season. But last night was big. A lot of times with the MVP and with these voting, it's what you do on Monday and Sunday night when the entire country is watching and you get that, oh, okay, the numbers are there. He's throwing his team on his back. They're 4-2. and I think they're going to win that division pretty handedly. If they can stay healthy enough – to win that division, and he can break all these records that it looks like he's on pace to do, I think he's going to be considered in the conversation, which is so fascinating because I don't know if there's another running back in the league who's even in the conversation at the top 20 in the MVP right now. When you look at Emmett Smith's all-time rushing record, do you think that there's a running back? The, um, 
I don't know if it's it, that that's a, a record that's breakable, but if you're going to try to handicap a running back in today's game, is Derrick Henry, you know, the last that we'll see that could come close to something like that? I think so. And we try to throw other names out like this offseason. It was like, actually, Nick Chubb might be Alvin Kamara without Breeze. And like, it's just not like that. McCaffrey can't stay healthy. These other guys aren't in the same conversation. Henry does it year after year after year after year. I, I said today on Good Morning Football, I, if he doesn't take another snap his entire NFL career, he has a Hall of Fame argument to be made. He's won the rushing title twice. He's carried his team to the playoffs twice. He's had big playoff moments in Baltimore, in New England. And what he's doing this season might be his coup de grace. So I don't think there will be another one like him. Just the way these offenses are built and just the way that he's built. I, you know, Najee Harris was the first running back taken in this year's NFL draft. He's a nice player. He's going to have a great NFL career. Is he ever going to be Derrick Henry? No, I don't know if anyone will. Just the way that they use him and the way that he gets better and better as the seasons go on. Yeah, but I don't know. So you're saying Derrick Henry has a Hall of Fame resume right now if his career ended? I think so. He's the best of his generation. I think if you write the history of the NFL, who was the best in his generation? I, I, Adrian Peterson's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Who's the next one? You can't just say there's not going to be a running back for 15 years, and he's the guy. It's going to be a nice four-year window, five-year window in NFL history where he's going to be first-team All-Pro every year. I can make the argument that if he never takes a snap, he's in the conversation. Does he get in? I don't know. If Terrell Davis gets in with six seasons of great numbers and what Derrick Henry is doing is eclipsing all of that, except for the Super Bowl rings, of course, I think there's a conversation to be had for Derrick Henry in the Hall of Fame. I was wondering about Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have a running back that maybe he is more valuable to his team than any other player right now. Your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And what Lamar's doing this year is doing it. He's skinning the cat a little differently than 2019. He's throwing more. He's making plays without that great running back duo behind him, which at that year was obviously Mark Ingram and Justice Hill and all those guys that were there with him. It is the Lamar show on offense, and he's doing it without Nick Boyle, his top tight end who blocks for him, and with a bunch of receivers who have not really elevated their games yet. Uh, to me right now, the MVP, it changes week to week, week, whatever. Right now, if I was to cast my vote, I would have a very hard time deciding between Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, and I'm going to throw a third name in here that might get a big hoot from the, from the Danettes. I think Derrick Carr's in the conversation. Derrick Carr is having an outstanding season. They're 4-2, and two, and if this team can do this without John Gruden as head coach and with them not missing a beat and getting the best out of this team, it's going to be because of Derek Carr. I would keep an eye on Derek Carr. There's going to be a lot of people watching these Raiders over the next few weeks. And if they don't combust... Wait a minute. Going, hold on. Hold on. The Danettes went away. Here we go. I can't put Derek Carr in front of Kyler Murray. Can't, can't do it. No, no, can't. I think you need a nap. I've been up for a lot of hours. <laughs> I think Kyler's <laughs> Kyler's six and zero. Oh, he's in the conversation, and I, you know, I wouldn't argue if he was the MVP right now. But I, right now, with all the stuff that he's got going on with D Hop and AJ Green and that great defense and JJ Watt, I think that's a collective effort right now. What Derek Carr's doing in Las Vegas with the burden that he'll have on his shoulders moving forward, with the head coach being replaced in the fashion that he was, I think they're they're. I love doing this. This is classic uh, sports radio. There's an argument that can be made <laughs> without me saying he is the MVP. Uh, the Bills getting off the hook here with what happened last night. You know they they. I think a lot of everybody thought they were going to win this yeah, game. I was one of them. Yeah. 
Um, uh, is there a bit of hubris with this Bills team that they beat the Chiefs and they're like, all right, it's done. Let's call it a season. Yeah. We're good. Like, yeah. They look good last night. The defense, though, got some humble pie. I think we were riding high on that Bills defense off of shutouts against you know, teams like Miami and teams like Houston and then beating up on Washington, which we've seen. But I thought that Chiefs game was like a major moment in this Bills franchise history. Like we're going to quite figuratively and literally like leap over the Chiefs, which they did, and Josh Allen had that jump. And then to fall the very next week with all the people saying the Bills are the best team in football, the second you finally crown the Bills, they have this loss where the Titans were all sorts of banged up. The Titans, they were down 10 late, and they still found a way to win. It's not a good one for the Bills. They certainly don't walk away going into the bye saying, oh, I feel great about Buffalo, and yet their upcoming opponents, Jaguars, Dolphins, Jets, Colts, they'll be fine. He's Peter Schrager, co-host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football. Um, you start to look at contenders and those who are not contenders. The Lions, Dan Campbell called out Jared Goff, says he's going to shake things up. It's a team that's winless. You've got Goff going back to the Rams. Could you see Jared Goff being benched for that game? Because nobody knows Jared Goff the way the Rams know Jared Goff. Could you see... Dan Campbell making a quarterbacking change going into that game this weekend. I made the uh, I made the joke on Good Morning Football. It's like when Brady went back to New England. You know the folks at NBC did the Adele video. What are you doing with Jared Goff going back to LA? <laughs> like, do we have something for it? Um, it's the opposite of hello. It might be goodbye. Uh, no, he's he's gonna play. I I'd be shocked if Campbell did anything. I think that was a little bit of a rattle your cage. But I watched that whole press conference. There were about ten questions about Goff in which he was supporting him, supporting him. And finally, he relented and he's like, yes, he needs to step up. But everyone needs to step up. The talent deficiency on that roster compared to other teams in the league is is vast. I'm not making any excuses for Jared Goff. He's never won a game without McVay. It would be great for him to shock the world and get one here, but he's not likely going to do that. It's going to be a rough season for the Lions. I think they knew that. I don't know if I'm all for, and I can't control a man's emotions, but when you cry on the podium in week five, and then the team loses 27 to nothing at home to the Bengals the following week, you've got to pace yourself now. Okay, so now Dan Campbell, it's week six. We're going into week seven. I would imagine they get blown out against the Rams. That's going to be Stafford looking to make a statement. How do you handle the next 10 weeks? And I want to see what kind of fortitude, not only Goff, but the head coach has to get through this thing. Because you could cry once, you could maybe cry twice, three times, then you might lose the team with that kind of stuff. So we'll see. He's a ball of emotion, the coach. The quarterback is going through it right now. Would love to see them fight in this game on Sunday. I'm just not sure I see it. Uh, it feels like uh, everything's good with Jacksonville. They got a win. Nobody's talking about Urban Meyer, right? Is, right. He, is he kind of... Uh, Survived the storm here? There was some other news last week, and I think everyone looked at the Urban Meyer situation and said, all right, uh, we're moving on to a different topic. And uh, I say that flippantly. It was a terrible week for the NFL. It was a horrific week for the NFL. But Jacksonville, they got out of town. Well, that was all going on on our network and on your network, and everyone was dealing with the fallout of what was a chilling, chilling few days. Jacksonville left the country. Urban Meyer news kind of faded to the background, and they focused on winning a football game that they probably had no right winning at the end there. There were some defensive questions on Miami, and then the the Jaguars stole one there. Now they come back, and it's like, okay, let's get above water. We got the bye. Let's come out of this thing, and we'll see what we can do. Um, But I don't think anyone's calling for Urban Meyer's head right now, and I certainly uh, don't think that 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 franchise is collapsing by any means under Urban Meyer, whether it would happen in Columbus, Ohio or not. 
Aaron Rodgers with his shout out to the Bears fans. It's almost like it felt like Aaron was playing the role of victim. Like you guys yelled at me and uh, flipped me off and I'm going to yell back at you. What do you make of uh, Aaron Rodgers owning the Chicago Bears comment? It was something, huh? I, I get that as like his like farewell, his farewell moment. You know, that was like his walk off. I don't think he's gonna necessarily play in that building as a division rival moving forward. So that was kind of maybe his last one. But what was funny was Kyle Brandt in our show was like, you know, it might be a straw man. I don't know if anyone actually was giving him the middle finger. And then we got a thousand tweets from Bears from Packers fans of like a million Bears fans giving him the middle finger. Like yes, no, they were, they were, they absolutely were. Um, I guess he got caught up in the emotion of that thing. I, I have no problem with it. And I don't love that kind of stuff a lot of times, but the nature of that history of that rivalry and the respect that he has shown uh, some of those Bears players over the years, whether it be Erlacher or Peanut or Lance Briggs, um, earlier in the week saying those guys should be Hall of Famers. Uh, I, I kind of liked it. It was such a play. It was such a moment. It was raw emotion, something we don't always get from these guys. Yeah. Um, the other topic that I found interesting, and, and you know how this goes, Pete. It goes week to week where – Jimmy Johnson says, hey, I would take uh, Justin Herbert over uh, Patrick Mahomes on the Fox pregame show. It opened the door for everybody to go, I'd take Justin Herbert mm-hmm. over Patrick. Mm-hmm. I go, what, what, what just happened? What, what, what happened? Like, all of a sudden, everybody has decided that they're off the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon. Then he throws a couple of picks against Washington. You know, the vitriol there, you know, Twitter just like, yep, you know. He's washed. Oh, my God. They're stuck with that contract now with Patrick. That, that was the craziest one. All the contract experts came out of the woodwork on Twitter. And they're like, look at what they're stuck with. Almost making this argument that like they would they would undo that contract if they could. And I, I, I shouldn't be so dismissive of it because they've been really sloppy this year. And he's you know got eight interceptions. He had six all last year. And some of these interceptions are not on him. And his mother will tell you that over Twitter. And some of them are. Um, but then something happened with about three minutes left in the third quarter. He has that touchdown to Tyreek. And if you watch the final, I know it's the red, it's Washington, but if you watch the final 18 minutes of that game, it looked like the Chiefs of old. And they just absolutely lit it up. They went from having 10 points to finishing with 31. Mahomes could not be stopped. Tyreek Hill and Kelsey did whatever they wanted. And it was like a little taste of like, don't, don't count us out just yet. And in the same week where we see the Chargers get humbled a bit. We see the Bills get humbled a bit. Chiefs are right behind them. They're 3-3 three and three and they're lurking. It's the last team I would want to face in the playoffs, especially that quarterback. Rams or the Chargers all in? Rams. Rams. There's a pressure for the Rams this year that it's like, th- this is why we are trading future first-round picks. This is why we went out and got this guy. Anything short of that run is a letdown. For the Chargers, I think this is a bit of a house money year. You've got a young quarterback on a rookie contract and a first-year head coach. If they make the playoffs, that's a great season for the Chargers. I don't think anyone's talking actual Super Bowl right now. Maybe they get there. But the Rams, I think it would be a disappointment if they didn't make that game. But imagine what a Super Bowl would do for Matthew Stafford's career. Yeah. Like Matt Ryan at least has an MVP. Yeah. And yeah, he had I, the appearance in the Super Bowl. And what it would do uh, moving forward, that's two years in a row that the team said, screw it, let's go get the guy. Like, let's go get the guy, whoever it may be. Let's go make a way to happen. Next year, I think... There's going to be a lot of conversations about Russell Wilson. It all stems from your very show last year, but it did give a little window into Russell's mindset. And Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, go get the guy. It works. That's what Tampa Bay did, and that is what the Rams did. And they were significantly better right out of the gates because of an upgrade at the most important position. I think, A, it would help redefine his career, obviously. 
and it would redefine the way we look at at, at Matthew Stafford's entire 13 years in the NFL, but it would also redefine the way you look at an offseason. Yes, built through the draft, but if you can go get your guy at quarterback, go get him. Okay, more likely to be on a different team next year, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? I think Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers. I think just the way that thing just kind of, we limped into the regular season with one of these deals. We're like, all right, let's see what happens. Um, I don't know how this ends up for either one of these guys. And I know Mike Florio is big on the, hey, if Russell was upset last year with what they did, he's certainly going to be upset <laughs> this year with what's going on. Uh, I just think it's a little trickier with the contract with Russell and with Rodgers, there is an exit plan and there's Jordan Love and there's almost a wedding of the appetite with the Packers fan base that, hey, this might be the last ride. The Russell thing would be a really abrupt change for Seattle. Yeah, I don't think Russ ends his career there. I don't know. I, I would be surprised if he's there next year. Really surprised. You would say you have a 50% chance. You'd say it's a greater chance he's not there next well, year. Well, let's say they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. At, at some point, Russ wants to – Russ is looking at his legacy. I think you have to go back to that, you know, a couple of days after the Super Bowl when he came on. He saw Brady still being Brady, and he saw Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and probably says, what about me? Like – he, he's now thinking bigger picture, what's my legacy going to be? He's not winning anything in Seattle. And I think everybody, Brady opened everybody's eyes to quarterback empowerment. And I think that's where Russ said, I want to have a say. I want to be able to say who we're going to draft or bring in. Aaron Rodgers wanted to have a say. Deshaun Watson wanted to have a say. I think Russ just said, hey, is anybody going to listen to me? That's why I think he was shouting from the mountaintops when he came on. I don't think anything's gotten anything's different you know same head coach same gm same philosophy i just get feeling russ is gonna go i i got to win another championship here i've only got one i want i want to be one of the greats of all time he's got two of the best receivers in the sport he's got an offensive coordinator that he helped hand pick and he is mr seattle if he stays there forever i mean that is his city forever and it's what it is i know but they're not gonna win it's going to be tough. And when you give Jamal Adams all that money and you trade your next two first-round picks for a safety, it doesn't help Russell Wilson's cause in any way of saying, hey, we got this much better this offseason. Uh, Thursday night, it's uh, Browns and the Broncos. On that note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got injuries. Everybody's got injuries. How much pressure is on Baker Mayfield this year? A ton. And it's the contract extension looming because where do you peg him? Like, would would which, you give him a contract extension? Would you give him $45 million a year? I would wait. I would wait to see what we get this season. Okay. If you're, if you're missing the playoffs and Baker's out there, then what are we getting for that money? And maybe it's time to move on. But like the Jets knew they weren't doing anything with Sam Darnold. They ripped the Band-Aid off. They said, let's get something for him. The Browns, I think a lot of people thought they would sign him to a deal similar to Josh Allen after last year's playoff run or, you know, but they haven't. So they're waiting. They're seeing how this thing plays out and i think thursday night if he plays it's tough as tough as nails for him to play but gosh it's a long season i don't think it's the craziest thing to say hey let let keenum have one here on the short week and then i'll get back in afterwards we'll see how it plays out though yeah you're supposed to build up the hype for thursday night football do or die both these teams i think that's good i don't need baker out there give me a team that's playing for everything both these teams have hit the skids the last few weeks they need it how's that for hype? okay now i'm watching now yeah. I'm going to watch that game. Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. Case Keenum revenge game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but there's a few of those. Case has been on a few teams yes. there. Yes. Uh, thank you, Pete. Safe travels this week. Always great to catch up with you. 
Great catching up. And one name for you, the, an NBA player, Paul Millsap, Annette. I had no idea. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Yes. Paul Millsap.